0: This morning, God's Word comes to us from the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 1. We'll be reading the 25 first verses of this chapter. Luke chapter 1, beginning at verse 1, what we hear now is God's Word. that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord." and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I was sent to speak to you, And he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived. And for five months, she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. Here we end the reading of God's holy word. Well of course this past week was uh, Thanksgiving and now that Thanksgiving is past, uh, we are somewhat more officially entering into the Christmas season. Uh, You can tell the signs of Christmas are around us. There are uh, Christmas shopping sales going on in the stores. Perhaps in some of your neighborhoods there are Christmas lights going up on the houses. I know our wife spent many hours yesterday putting up lights while I did nothing to help. But there are signs of Christmas uh, happening all around us, uh, the beginning of the Christmas season. And so we begin by preparing for Christmas. Rather than focusing on all of the external things, the shopping and the lights and the trees and things like that, uh, we're called to prepare our hearts as a church to celebrate the coming of our Savior into the world. Historically, in the church year, this is called the season of Advent. Advent, those four Sundays preceding Christmas. When we think about the coming of Jesus Christ, God preparing the way for Him, how God would fulfill His purposes for His people in the sending of His Son. For our Advent series this year, we're going to look at the first chapter of the book of Luke. We'll be looking at this uh, chapter over the next four Sundays together. Uh, We see that God himself prepared for Christmas. God himself orchestrated all things in just the particular way that in the fullness of time, he would send his son, Jesus Christ, to come and be the savior of his people. We are looking, of course, at the book of Luke, and that should remind you that just recently we finished a series on the book of Acts, also written by Luke. We saw how Luke was a careful historian. He wanted to make sure he got the facts straight. That's how he begins. Inasmuch as as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that had been accomplished among us, it seemed good to me also having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you. Luke gives us this history. Luke gives us this story. He gets his facts straight. And he does that, he says, verse 4, I do this, O Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught that we might have certainty that the Christmas story is true. Now, there are many stories that we hear around Christmas, many stories we see on the television. This past week, uh, we watched uh, Frosty the Snowman, and we watched How the Grinch Told Christmas, and I'm sure that when it comes on, we'll be sure to watch the Charlie Brown Christmas too, my favorite Christmas uh, TV show. Those are wonderful stories, kids. They're fun stories, but they're only stories. They're stories that are made up. The story of Christmas, the story of Jesus Christ, the story of God sending His Son into the world to be born to Mary and Joseph, that's not a made-up story. That's a story that comes from the Word of God, a story we can be sure about. Luke says, I write these things so you can be certain of what you have been taught. All the other stories are fine, but the story of Christmas The story of Jesus Christ is true. So we look this morning at at preparing for Christmas from Luke chapter 1. We read in verse 5, In the days of Herod, king of Judea. Herod, the king of Judea. This may seem like a strange time for God to be preparing for Christmas. Herod was not a good king. Herod, we read, king of Judea, was not himself a Jew. Herod was a king who was not looking for the coming of Jesus Christ. Herod was a wicked king. Herod was a ruthless king. Herod was one who was not afraid to wield his army for his own benefit. In fact, Herod killed many of his own family. Yet it's in the time of this king this wicked king, that the preparations are coming to fruition. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. We're introduced to Herod, the king, a ruthless king, and in contrast to that, we have the priest, the priest Zechariah in the priestly line, who married in the priestly line, married a daughter of Aaron. There was no requirement for that for the priests. But the priestly line marries within the priestly line. And we read that they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. The contrast between Herod, the ruthless king, and Zechariah and Elizabeth, the faithful, the blameless in the priestly line. But there was a problem. But, verse 7 says, they had no child because Elizabeth was barren and both were advanced in years. They were childless. That was not simply an inconvenience for them. It was not simply a heartbreak for them. But in Israel... There was the ongoing expectation that God would send a seed of the woman to be the Redeemer for Israel. And and every, every woman had to wonder, would my child be that one? Would my child be the one that God is sending for the redemption of his people? To be barren, to be childless, was to have no opportunity to bring that Redeemer into israel it was it was a sign of the curse of god to be childless and so we have this 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 jarring disconnection they're blameless they're righteous but they have no child for elizabeth was barren it is to this couple it is to this priest that the angel will come with a glorious announcement verse 8 And while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. So the priest would serve particular times of service in the temple, and it was the time of Zechariah's group to come and serve in the temple. When it came time to offer incense, In the temple, in the holy place, not the most holy place, in the holy place, the priests currently serving were chosen by lot. Who would get to go in and offer that incense? And it was a great privilege. It was a great blessing. In fact, once you had been chosen to do that, you would not be chosen again for the rest of your life. It was such a privilege for a priest to go in and offer incense. And it is time for Zechariah's group to serve and the lot is chosen, and he enters into the temple to burn incense, and we read in verse 11, and there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing at the right side of the altar of incense, and Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. He saw an angel as he enters into the holy place, as he enters in to offer the incense, and he is troubled, and he is afraid, and he says in verse 13, The angel says to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. Do not be afraid. Your prayer has been heard. Now, as a priest, what would Zechariah be praying for? He is the one who's called to bring the prayers of the people before God. They would be praying for that Redeemer. They'd be praying for God to send that one whom he had appointed. They'd be praying for the fullness of time to fall upon them. And the angel comes and says, your prayer has been answered. The Redeemer is coming. And, and your wife will have a son. What a blessing. What a glory. He must have been overwhelmed at the words of the angel. The Redeemer we've been waiting for is coming, and my wife also will have a son. How does, how does Zechariah respond? Does he respond embracing this glorious truth? His response is a response of unbelief. Look at verse 18. And Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? It's not possible. This can't happen. In spite spite of everything orchestrating to bring him to this point, it is his term of service. He is chosen by lot. An angel comes and speaks to him. And his his response is, how can I know? How can I be sure this is really going to happen? He refuses to believe this glorious message that the Redeemer promised is now going to come. He refuses, and in fact, beyond that, he gives reasons why, why his wife can't have a baby. He says, I'm an old man. My wife has advanced in years. This just doesn't make sense. What you're saying can't be true. The angel responds. The angel answers, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and i was sent to speak to you and to bring this good news i am gabriel i i I come from god himself god is sending this message now as a priest zechariah would have known well the history of israel that there were other times when there were miraculous children born by the message of an angel he would have known of Abraham and Sarah. Again, a couple too old to have children, but God sends an angel and tells them it's going to happen. He would have known of Elkanah and Hannah, the parents of Samuel. He would have known these truths. But he, he refuses to believe. He refuses to believe that God could do what he said he would do. As a response to his unbelief, the angel speaks to him. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place because you did not believe my words. You will be silent. The the punishment is fitting of what had taken place. He should have been rejoicing. He should have been speaking. Look what God's doing. The Redeemer is coming. And I'm going to have a son as well rather than rejoicing, he doubts, unbelief, and as a response, he's unable to speak. He's unable to bring God the praise that he deserves. And and as he exits the temple, verse 22, and when he came out, he was unable to speak to them and they realized he had seen a vision in the temple and he kept making signs to them and remained mute tried to to sign to them what had happened. Because Zechariah was unwilling to open his mouth in praise to God, he he became unable to open his mouth in praise to God. He refused to believe that God would do what God said he would do. He refused the message of the angel. What about our preparation for Christmas? We have heard once again a portion of the story over the next few weeks. We're gonna hear the rest of the story. It's a story for some of us we've heard many, many times before. The story of the announcement of the angel to Zechariah, the story of the birth of John the Baptist, the story of, of Mary and Joseph. We've heard it so many times. It's easy to think of it as just one more story. Just one more of the, of the trappings of Christmas. As we, for the next four weeks, will look together at, at this portion from the Gospel of Luke. Do we believe this truth? Have we, have we declared the glory of this truth, that God sent a Redeemer They had been waiting. The Redeemer had been promised. And before that Redeemer comes, God sends Gabriel down to announce, now is the time. The the, the Redeemer, the preparation for that Redeemer is coming. Prepare for Christmas. Prepare for the coming of Jesus Christ. They had been waiting for so long. Zechariah waiting for so long. That when the truth is right there in front of him, an angel of God declaring, now is the time, He refuses to believe it. We are to recognize that the story of Christmas is not just one more story, not just one more of the trappings that we do throughout our preparation for December 25. But we have in God's word a faithful record of the fulfillment of his promise how he was orchestrating, how he was directing, how he was working all things to prepare for the coming of his son, Jesus Christ. And Luke writes it down for us so we can be sure, so we can be certain, so we can know that that this Jesus Christ is the redeemer of his people. He came and he was the one who would take away the sins of all of his own. He was the one who would restore his people to fellowship with God. He was the one who would be the, 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 the fulfillment of all the Old Testament promises and prophecies. And God, God calls us this Christmas to prepare once again to celebrate that glorious truth. To, to with our whole heart, embrace this Jesus Christ. Not as, a, not as a fixture on our mantle of a Christmas creche, but as the ruler of our lives embracing Christ with heart and soul and mind and strength. God calls you this morning. Put your trust in this Jesus Christ. The story is true. It's certain. Luke, Luke uh, uh, looked after it. He made sure it was written down carefully. God himself inspired this glorious Christmas story. And we, we must be willing to declare the praises of this God. If we close our mouths, if we fail to embrace, if we fail to believe, those who are unwilling to praise become unable to praise. It's a reminder. The story, once again, a reminder of God's faithfulness to his people. Look at verse 13. The angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, you will call his name John, you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. Verse 16, and he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah and turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. Your son is going to be a part of the preparation of the Redeemer's coming. Your son's going to be the one who will be used by God. He quotes here from Malachi chapter 4, the very last book of the Old Testament, the very last words of the Old Testament, where God says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes, and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. This, this, this book of Malachi prophesies of one like Elijah, who will come and turn hearts back to God. Elijah, this Elijah who would be seen in John, the son of Zechariah, would be that forerunner of Christ, preparing the way for him. You know what John's ministry was about, kids. We talked about this some time ago. John's ministry was a ministry of repentance. Repentance. Humbling their hearts before the coming of Christ. As we hear about this forerunner, this Elijah figure, this John, who would be born to Zechariah and Elizabeth, we are called once again to humble our hearts before God. That's how we prepare for Christmas. It's not about what we put up on our houses or what we set up in the yard or anything like that. Preparing for Christmas is humbling ourselves, recognizing that God sent his son because we stood in need We were those who were fallen. We were those who were sinful. We were those who could not save ourselves. And God would send His Son, our Redeemer, the only one who could come and take away our sins and grant us His righteousness. Our preparation is about hearts that humble themselves before the Lord, hearts that now long to do what God has called us to do, to live in a way that is pleasing to Him. That's our preparation. It's about preparing our hearts for the celebration of God sending His Son, Jesus Christ. Malachi ends, he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the hearts of the children to the fathers, or he says, I will come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. Either we will prepare by humbling ourselves before God, by embracing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, if we do not, if we do not humble ourselves before God, God comes with the word of warning. I will come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. Hard hearts, cold hearts, hearts unwilling to embrace Christ are left not with the hope of celebrating a Christmas, a Redeemer, but the terrible warning of God's utter decree Of destruction God comes with promise and he comes with warning are you preparing for Christmas not just the lights and the shopping and all of those things but truly preparing your heart recognizing that that Jesus Christ came because of your sin because of my sin because of what I have done as an offense against God humbling our hearts and then embracing this Christ as our only hope, because God has revealed him as the true savior of his people. We know it, we can be certain of it. God himself has inscripturated this truth for us, that it's not one more story among many, it is the story of Christmas. Don't be silenced by unbelief, but open your mouths in praise to God for what he did in the fullness of time, sending his son, after he'd prepared all the way for the coming of Christmas. Let's join together in prayer. Lord our God, we know you are the God of history. You are the God who works out all things for your purposes. And we have seen a slice of that once again this morning as you orchestrated things in the life of Zechariah. That he would be on service, that he would be receiving the lot to go in, and you would send an angel to come and speak to him. Lord God, his response of unbelief is is not hard for us to understand because we know our own hearts, how cold, how dark they often are. So we pray that you would, Lord God, open our hearts once again this morning to rejoice in the truth you have given to us, to rejoice in the hope of Jesus Christ, and to sing with joy, giving you praise. If we are unwilling, O Lord, please make us not unable. Help us to open our voices, open our mouths to sing praise to you for what you have done. Hear our prayer for Jesus' sake. Amen. We are going to sing to the praise of God, number 299 in the Trinity Psalter hymnal. Number 299, joy to the world, the Lord is come, let earth receive her king. We're going to sing all four verses of 299, and let's stand together as we sing. Following the benediction and the singing of 224, I'd ask you to be de- seated for our dismissal uh, by the ushers. Receive the parting blessing of our God, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Be with you all. Amen.